come to our gospel service tonight, and we're going to worship God as we turn uh, to the hymn 203. I was sinking deep in sin, sinking to rise no more, overwhelmed by guilt within, mercy I did implore. That's a good singing in the opening hymn. again. We know of the waves of sorrow. We know something about that. We know of the distress. Some of you folks have been in some of our congregation and are in that tonight. But praise God, when we're in that place, Jesus takes my hand in his ever he loves to bless. May we know the truth of it as we sing it together.
Let's bow together in prayer. Father, as we come to this house tonight as a body of people who love the Lord, who desire to worship Him, to meet with Him, we rejoice afresh in the great love that we've been singing about, the love of God towards a fallen world. <coughs> Many have the testimony here that love lifted them. There was a time when we were in the angry waves of sin, when we were overwhelmed and we were sinking, sinking to rise no more. We were in the depths, we were in the darkness. And yet in loving kindness, Jesus came. He intervened. He stepped into our, our lives. He, he brought us the message of the gospel. And he opened our eyes to see our need of a Savior. And that day that we turned in faith to him and were saved by grace, love lifted us from our sin and from the consequences of sin that we deserved and lifted us on to the rock Christ Jesus. David spoke about that when he referred to in the 40th Psalm of being taken up out of the horrible pit and out of the marry clay and his feet were set upon the rock and God established his way. Lord, you did that for those who believe in this meeting. Thank thee for that moment, that moment of trust and faith and repentance when we turned from our sin to Christ and the Holy Spirit entered and we were born of God. Thank thee for the years of our Christian experience. Thank thee, Lord, we've been rejoicing today in the man that was saved exactly three years ago. And it's three years on, and the Lord has kept him and blessed him and helped him. And Lord, you've done that for all of your truly blood-bought people. For you're a God that not only saves, but you keep. You keep us from falling. And one day you'll present us faultless before the throne of heavenly grace. What a day that will be when in victory we shall enter through the gates of the new Jerusalem, washed in the blood of the Lamb and saved by sovereign grace, to stand in the immediate presence of our God, singing the praises of the Lord as those right now gathered around that celestial throne sing and sing in a way that we could never hope to sing on earth. Oh, we love to sing. We love to rejoice. We praise the Lord tonight in every song that is in our heart and upon our lips. But one day we're going to sing in a way that we've never done before. And what a joyful time that will be. Lord, save the lost. Remember those that are perishing in sin. Those that are sinking. Oh, Lord, we cry in Jesus' name that you lift them. Lift them tonight. Peter was sinking in, in the physical sense and not see. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Lord, those that are sinking in sin need to cry out something similar. Lord, save me. And we know that when they do cry, the Lord will stretch forth his hand and he will pluck them as a brand from the burning. He will lift them from the angry waves and he will set them free. Do it tonight, Lord. Bless the dedication. Thank thee for children born into this church, raised up, taught of the Lord, instructed. Thank thee for teachers that love them, that teach them in Sunday school. Think of Tuesday night meetings as well as the gospel is proclaimed. Thank thee for all that this church does to, to reach the upcoming generation and the good seed of the gospel being planted. Thank thee for a godly home into which little Noah has been born, giving every opportunity for him to come to a knowledge of the truth and to the light of the gospel. May it be so early in life. Save him and keep him by the power of Almighty God. And do remember the sick. We're, we're thinking tonight of Peter, and uh, he's been upon our minds so many of these days in prayer. And Lord, you've stepped in and you've answered prayer, and there's a measure of improvement, and we rejoice in that. May it continue. And remember the others, Wesley and Ivor, and you know, we think of Maud too. We commit them in love to thee. Standing somewhere in the shadow, praise God, they'll find Jesus, the one who cares and understands. So hear our prayers tonight, for Jesus' sake. Amen. When we have a dedication, we ask the parents to, to choose the hymn, and the hymn has been chosen, selected, I hope I've got it right, 695, and the dedication of Noah, Robert James Moore, 
will take place after we sing the second verse. So we're going to sing the first two verses of I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. Two verses, we'll have the dedication and then we'll sing the other uh, verses of the hymn. Thank you. girls promise to be good. And uh, Ryan's just worried about Noah. Isn't that right? Can I welcome family that are here tonight? If you've come for this dedication because you're in the Moore family or the Story family, if you're a friend and you've come because of that, let me bid you a very warm word of welcome. What we do at a dedication is we, we read the scriptures. We always read a passage in the Old Testament that reminds us of a mother and father that presented their child to the Lord publicly in God's house. And then we turn to the beautiful story of Christ on earth in in Mark chapter 10, where he takes up the little ones in his arms. Christ puts his hands upon them and he blesses them. And that's what we want tonight. And really, as we do this, these parents are presenting their child publicly so that the Lord will bless their child. And as they seek by his grace to bring this little one up in the fear and admonition of God, that early in life he'll seek the Lord. And the congregation too, as you look up here and you see the little one, we want you to take Noah upon your heart and pray for him and the other children of this church that the Lord will bless them with his great blessings. First of all, we read in Samuel 1 and verse 20 to 24. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord, And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry until thou have weaned him, Only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode, gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then Mark chapter 10 and verse 13 to 16. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased (coughs) and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, 
Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms. He put his hands upon them and blessed them. We'll ask the congregation to stand, please. Do you, the parents of this child, acknowledge and confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Do you promise, depending upon divine grace, to bring up your child in the fear and the admonition of God? Following the example of Scripture and the invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ, I dedicate the Noah, Robert, James, Moore to the Lord in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. I want to bow together in prayer and Mervyn, grandfather is going to come and pray for this child that has been born into the family, one of the elders of our church. Lord bless you, Mervyn. Let's pray. The gracious, loving and eternal Father in heaven, we continue all of my presence in the all precious and prevailing name of the one who is our son and thy saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank thee for sending thy son into this world. We rejoice that he came with that message to the boys and girls that they can come unto him. And we pray, our loving Father, that as we have gathered this evening and as this particular part of the service, we dedicate Noah to thee. We pray that early in life he will come to know thee Amen. as his own and personal Savior. We pray that like Noah of old, he will find grace in the <coughs> eyes of God. We thank thee for the love of God in Christ. And our loving Father, we do rejoice that there is a message to proclaim tonight, and it is the message that Jesus still loves men and women and boys and girls. I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book that he has given. And we thank thee that it is wonderful news, and we can proclaim it tonight with all the joy that is in our hearts, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son and so, our loving Father, we pray for Noah, we pray for Martha Joy, we pray for all the children associated with our congregation here, and we lovingly pray that Thou wilt come, and each one of them will know that personal saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless our families. You know all the needs and the burdens that each family carries tonight, but we thank Thee that casting all our care upon Thee, Thou dost care for us. Bless Lydia and Ryan. We pray that as a family they will continue to prove the sufficiency of thy grace, the nearness of thy presence. And loving Father, we pray like Noah, we may all rejoice in the knowledge of household salvation. Father, the desire of our hearts tonight above everything else in this world is that each one of our family will be safely gathered in, rejoicing in the joy of thy salvation. Continue with us in the service tonight. We thank thee for all you've come. And we pray, our Father in heaven, that thou be pleased to presence thyself with us. For we ask these things in the Savior's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mervyn. You know, I'll say something about Noah later, something that is in my heart about this child as we, we look at the Scriptures. But Noah has one of the greatest blessings, and that is to be born into a Christian family. And I know that Ryan and Lydia will bring up their child, their children, in the right way, will direct them uh, from knee high. And on the mother's knee and father's knee too, taught the scriptures. And as they come to the house of God and they're taught in Sunday school and, and in the house of God, it is our prayer that they'll seek the Lord, call upon his name, know Christ. You both did very well. You did well. And Noah was excellent. We're going to sing the, re the rest of the hymn. Um, verse 3, Jesus loves me and I know I love him. Thank you.
warm word of welcome to you as you come to Hebron tonight to worship the Lord and as we conduct this gospel meeting. And as I said earlier, if you're with the family, lovely to see you. And refreshments will be served, um, maybe a little bit more than what we normally have. There's a good smell out there, and you're welcome to stay for a wee time of friendship and fellowship together. We trust that you can. A few announcements to make Wednesday. There's a school management committee meeting at 7, followed by our monthly committee meeting at 8 o'clock. Thursday is our midweek for Bible study, prayer, and fellowship. You're invited to that. Friday, the youth fellowship <coughs> gets underway again at 8 o'clock after the, the busy time that we've had with the um, missionary weekend and the week of prayer. Now the fellowship is back, and I've been asked to, to speak to the young people. Young people, we, we appeal for you to come. This is your meeting, and we trust that you will be there. Saturday in the center of the town, 11 o'clock, our open-air work will take place. Then on the Lord's Day, the prayer meeting, 8 o'clock, Sunday school, 10.30, Bible class at a quarter to 11, worship service, 12 noon, and the gospel meeting then at 7 o'clock. I want to remind our children's workers particularly that Youth Challenge recommences on the last Tuesday of the month. That's the 31st of January. The previous week, the 24th, We'll be going on outreach around the doors to invite the children in. On the 1st of March, we have the ladies' meeting, and Mrs. Pamela Fitzsimons from Ulla Glass will be the guest speaker, and Anna and Grace Maternahan from Ballymena Stroke Ballymoney uh, will be here to sing in the will of God. Lest Kathy forgot about me mentioning this, and didn't want to remind me about it, but she had a significant birthday. Is Kathy here? Oh, there you are. She says no, she's not here, but uh, I see her there. Anyhow, she's 40 again, 21 again, and she's had a special birthday on Friday, and we congratulate her. There is a special meeting taking place on Saturday, this coming Saturday night, down at the Martyrs. Stephen Greer, from the Whitfield College will be the speaker. And he's dealing with an important subject as we think of the trends of today, music and Christian public worship. Uh, that's a very important topic for our young people to hear. We've been praying for revival. We've been praying for revival year by year, and God has been pleased to send little droppings of revival. We took time at the week of prayer on Friday night to concentrate on revival. And I, I'm putting this up just to remind you to keep praying every day, even if you take the Bible prayers that we looked at on Friday night and quote them and plead them before God, keep praying for revival. We also remember Ukraine and our Ukrainian friends worship with us on a Sabbath morning. They have their own meeting at night down in the Bible classroom. But uh, we know that the, the war is still going on and Putin's army is coming in in force and cities are being bombed again, and we want to pray for these folk. We think of the chicken coop project. want to thank those that have been involved in it, and these were slides sent to me this week, pictures sent this week of the project up and running in some of these families over there in Romania. Mentioning Ukraine, uh, this is the preaching of the gospel in the city of Kharkiv. In the midst of war, the gospel is being preached, and we're glad every week we're hearing about souls coming to trust Christ as Savior and they're helped a little bit practically, some bread and provision being given to them. And we're glad that we've had a little part in, in helping God's people and others in that country. We were sent a video this week right on the front line in one of the trenches, and this believer just leading his comrade in prayer down there in the midst of all this going on with the bombing and the shooting, and yet here are men, they're praying, and we want to pray with them as we've been encouraged to do. Remember the work in the Philippines with all the, the storms and the hurricanes and the help that's so often needed. A little bit of money was sent by the mission board to help these people and distribution has taken place in the past week and the pastor there sent me uh, these photographs. We were rejoicing this morning that the church in Cortigas Nuevas, where the pastor is Alejandro Bernabeu, uh, have been reaching out to Romania as well, and these are the Deborah girls getting gifts just there at Christmas time 
I want to thank the church there for taking an interest in these young lives that are, are so uh, difficult with their past of abuse. And it's been a great encouragement to them. Came across a little quote today. I shared it with a few people. And I just share it before we sing the next hymn. Spurgeon said, He who counts the stars and calls them by their names is in no danger of forgetting his own children. It's a mighty, mighty thought. You know, God knows the stars, every one of them, billions and billions of stars. And he knows them by name. He has a name for them all. And he who counts them and names them, he's not going to forget you, dear child of God, whatever you're passing through. May you be encouraged tonight. Now let's sing the opening three verses of this hymn, then we'll sing the other two, God willing, at the end of the service. 236, out of Christ without a Savior. Oh, can it, can it be like a ship without a rudder on a wild and stormy sea? Let's rise to our feet as we sing. dedication takes place. If I can preach on something appropriate, I'll do that. And if there's a name that lends itself to preaching, I'll do that also. And if there's not a name, we'll, we'll do something different. But there's a name, and I could preach about 20 sermons on Noah. But I'm turning you for our Bible reading, and there's another portion we'll come to later in the New Testament. But for our reading tonight, I want you to open up the Scriptures to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis 6, and we're going to read the opening 14 verses. A request was made if we could possibly put the um, Scripture reading on the screen where some might be able to see it. Uh, there's nothing like just following it in the Scriptures, and I, I would encourage you always, always bring your Bible to the house of God and follow it there. You have it before you. You can look at it. You can mark it, and you can read it again and uh, look at the passage as we preach. But just so that everyone can, can see the Word as well as hear it, we have it up before you. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, 
that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also was flesh, yet his days shall be in hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and bare them children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and pitch it within and without with pitch. And there's more of the description of the ark given in the following verses. But we'll end the reading at verse 14. Let's have a wee word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, as we linger on in your presence, as we rejoice in even the health and strength that permits us to be here, we pray that you'll help us mentally and in our hearts tonight just to settle down before God, for that's where we are, and to sit up and listen to his word. We pray that you will take the scriptures of truth and write them upon every heart, and back home your word to the hearts of all that are here by the ministry of the Spirit of God. And Lord, fill me now with God the Holy Spirit. Give me utterances in the Spirit and help me to preach and present the gospel in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'm going to think tonight about lessons from Noah's day. Very appropriate. Noah lived in one of the the darkest periods of history that this world has ever known. Look at the words used by God to describe that age. We've read some of them tonight. Wickedness, evil, corrupt, and violence. So widespread was the evil right across the face of the earth that God said all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And so wicked and irreparable was the corruption that mankind was beyond rescue, beyond recovery, and beyond redemption. So God purposed to destroy the entire population of the world in a global flood. However, there was one man, one man who found grace in the eyes of the Lord, one man who had an amazing testimony amid such darkness. For we are told that this man walked with God. And this one man, together with his wife and his family, were made vessels of mercy, and they escaped the terrible overthrow. There's things to learn about Noah's life that I will reflect tonight just for a moment in this Noah's life by way of introduction to this message as we think about Noah that's been brought into the modern world. Noah found grace. We've mentioned that, chapter 6, verse 8. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it is the prayer I know of both families concerned that early in life, this Noah will find grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's the most important thing for Noah to know Christ, to be redeemed, to be saved by grace. He was also a godly example. Verse 9 of chapter 6 tells us about his righteous life and how he lived in this corrupt world, and how that he walked with God. And we pray that as Noah finds that grace 
that saves him, that he will also have the grace that will enable him to walk the Christian life. He was blessed with a family. Verse 10 tells us about the children of Noah. And it may be, if it pleases God, that Noah will grow up in this world and he will, like his parents, get married and perhaps have a family and be blessed with children of his own. God communed with him. We have that from verse 13, where the Lord speaks to Noah and talks to him about what he's going to do on the earth and gives him the, the instructions concerning the place of safety, the ark that was to be built, in which he would find a safe refuge. And we pray that God will speak to this Noah through his lifetime. God also entered into a covenant relationship with Noah, as we go on to read in verse 18 of chapter 6. But with thee will I establish my covenant. And God brings his people into covenant with himself. Wonderful promises that God gives to his people. <coughs> he saw his family saved. Chapter 7 and verse 1 tells us that the Lord said to Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. If you see nothing else in this world, as far as others coming to Christ, may you see your family saved. And whatever family God is pleased to give to Noah, may that be so in, in his life too. <clears throat> Verse 5 of chapter 7 tells us of how he obeyed the Lord. And we want our children to grow up and obey the Lord. In chapter 8, verse 1, God remembered Noah. Didn't forget about him. He was shut up on the ark all that time, and now it's time to remember him and to, to bring him out of the ark in due course of time. And we pray that God will remember day by day this little boy. Chapter 8, verses 16 and 18 tell us how God brought him out into the new world. And it was a new world after the flood. <coughs> and God one day, for those who find grace in his sight and are saved, will bring them into that new world, that better world that is called heaven. May that be so for Noah. In chapter 8, verse 20, we find that he worshipped God on the basis of the blood. Having come out of the ark, he builds his altar, he takes his sacrifice, he offers the sacrifice, he sheds the blood, and that reminds us of our approach, our only approach to God on the basis of the blood of Christ. And I know that as this child finds Christ the Savior, that that's the way that he will worship God on the basis of redemption, the blood of the Savior. And just maybe to, to finish chapter 9, verse 1, God blessed him. And we've already pronounced the ironic blessing upon Noah. May God bless Noah as he grows up. May these characteristics be found in his life. Now, it was a dark day when Noah lived. We're told about this in, in chapter 6 and verse 5. God saw the wickedness of man, that it was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And God was grieved by what he saw. As he looked down into the world and he saw the corruption, he saw the sin and the awful departure, God was grieved. And the next verse, verse 6, tells us, it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. I want you to know that sin grieves God. We grieve God, all of us, whether you're a Christian or not, your sin, my sin, grieves God. And it did with the old world. And then we see that God purposed to destroy mankind. Verse 7, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. But Noah found grace, and the Lord saved him and saved his family. And that's ever our desire. This is not family night. We have family night once a month. But I want to say on this family occasion that we have no greater desire for any of our families than they find grace in the eyes of the Lord and they see every member of the family gathered in unto Christ and on their way to glory. It's our deepest prayer. It's the greatest longing of our heart. And so the ark was built. Provision was made. The preaching was sounded out by a faithful man of God, this man that walked with the Lord. And then came the day. And God ordered Noah and his family into the ark, and he shut the door. And suddenly, something happened. 
that had never happened in the whole history of the world thus far. And that was rain. Up until this moment, it seems by the experts that this earth was watered by the dew, a heavy dew that came down at night, and by the rivers that flowed from the Garden of Eden. But now there's rain, a terrible rain. We read about it in chapter 7 and verses 11 and 12. I want to mark those words. At the end of verse 7, the fountains of the great deep were broken up, the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. A long time for it to rain. Just poured. But not only rain from above, the great fountains of the underground oceans of this world were broken up, and this world was destroyed in this flood. There's coming a day, a day of destruction, when our Lord shall come from on high. It is His glorious coming again. The gospel preaching will be over forever when our Lord comes. Opportunities will be gone forever. The day of grace that we're living in now will be ended forever. And the warnings so often sounded forth from our pulpits, they too will be finished. Paul tells us and in clear terms about this day in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And our Lord Jesus has something to tell us in the New Testament about this day. It's one of the last sermons that Jesus ever preached. And so I want to read four verses from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, and verse 36 to 39. Listen to God's Word. But off that day, we're speaking here about the coming of Christ, off that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. The sermon that he preached, as you know, is all about the second coming. Jesus is coming again. And it's all about the character of the age in which the Savior returns. And then the Lord declares his indisputable and sudden and unexpected coming. When all those prophecies have been fulfilled that the Lord speaks about, then Jesus will come again. And there's lessons to learn. Because as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days when the Son of Man cometh. And we want to learn them well. And I want to mark them just quickly with you in the close of this service tonight. First of all, there is the comparison that the Savior makes. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Our Lord takes his audience, primarily his disciples and maybe a few others, back to Noah's time. Nearly two and a half thousand years previously, he highlights one of the well-known and often-taught stories of ancient history when God destroyed the old world with a flood, a universal, catastrophic flood. It was sudden, it was solemn, it was a serious judgment that fell upon wicked sinners. In Christ's sermon, he has been emphasizing that a similar day is coming a judgment that would be ushered in by his glorious return to this earth. He will speak in his solemn message about a fearful day of separation. In fact, he emphasizes that in the sermon. Two in a field, the one taken, the other left. Two working at a mill, the one taken, the other left. And then the second part of the sermon, which is chapter 25, gives us three parables, all 
illustrating this fact, separation. There's going to be an awful day of separation, men and women, when Jesus comes again. The ten virgins, five wise and five foolish, separation. The talents, parable of the talents, the faithful stewards and the unfaithful stewards, going to be separated forever. The parable of the sheep and the goats, the shepherd is coming to divide the sheep from the goats, the saved from the unsaved. Two of the most solemn verses in this sermon, and probably anywhere in the Bible, are here in chapter 25, verse 41 and 46. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And in verse 46, these shall go away into everlasting punishment. The world of the ungodly will never be destroyed again by a universal flood as it was in Noah's day. But Jesus speaks about a more solemn eternal destruction that he calls here everlasting fire and everlasting destruction. Not my words, but the words of Christ. As he speaks about such things, he tells the congregation that day, about the character of that day, what it's going to be like in that time, how that it's going to be very similar to Noah's day. Those days were days of immorality. Those days were days of wickedness and days of violence. Those three things were very prominent. Immorality, wickedness, and violence. It's not hard to see that these things are prevalent today in the age in which we live. Our society is steeped in immorality. Everywhere we look, we see the sins of the flesh, sexual lust, carnal acts of immorality. It is so widespread, it has become the norm and even accepted by the world in general. It is so dark and deep. However, it is not acceptable with the Holy God. I want you to know that tonight. He declares, and he uses a word called whoremongers. And that's a word that describes all the kinds of immorality that we see in the world. And he says, whoremongers shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And the great apostle Paul told the Christians who, who lived in the immoral city of Corinth that sinners were who were fornicators and adulterers would not inherit the kingdom of God. They would be shut out of heaven forever. Immorality. Wickedness. Wickedness is also the character of this present age. According to Webster's Bible Dictionary, wickedness can be described as evil in principle or practice, deviating from morality, contrary to the moral or divine law, addicted to vice or sin, sinful, immoral, profligate. And in just simple general terms, that word wickedness is referring to lawlessness. We're living in a day of wickedness. We're living in a day when men live without law, without the law of God particularly. I know the laws of men are broken, but more importantly, the laws of God, the commandments that God has given, this holy God has given, they are constantly being broken. And so, so we look out there into the world and we see wickedness, we see lawlessness. The third one is violence. So prevalent in Noah's time. And I don't need to remind you about the violence that is in this world. Not only domestic violence and violence in society, but look at the wars. You've lived, most of you have lived long enough to know about the wars in this world over the past 30 years or so. And not least what's happening in Ukraine today. Wars and rumors of wars, Jesus said. It's going to be in this day, just like it was in Noah's day. So there is this comparison that Jesus makes. But then secondly, there is the considerations which the Savior highlights. It says they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. And the Lord here is singling out three particular traits that were prevalent in the old world before the flood, which will be prevalent in the end times. Eating, drinking, marrying. 
Now on a quick reading, a surface reading, looking at these activities, we might just simply conclude, and I think this is the main thought, that the Lord was teaching that life was going on as normal. These are normal things. The three things mentioned by the Savior are, are everyday, normal, usual practices. It certainly teaches that the people will be taken up with these things at the expense of really thinking about their soul and about spiritual matters and eternal things. Eating, drinking, and marrying. It's all, all the things to do with the earth, with the flesh, and not the things that are to do with God. I can just imagine in the days of Noah, the people of that generation were absorbed in worldly, earthly, physical, material thoughts. They didn't think about God, that's evident. They didn't think about their soul. They never thought about their destiny. Heaven and hell was not in their thoughts. The awful condemnation that they were under was not thought about. And certainly the judgment that was going to come that Noah preached about, this terrible flood that would come, was not in the minds and the hearts of these people. They never dreamed for one moment that, that soon they were going to die and they were going to perish forever in a catastrophic flood. Does that not accurately describe society today? Men just living for themselves, living for the world, living for the flesh, living for the moment. Eating, drinking, marrying is the order of the day. It's all about themselves. No thought of God. No thought about the soul. No thought about the hereafter. No thought about the awful impending judgment that is coming. No thought about eternity. However, eating, drinking, and marrying, some of the experts tell us have a, a deeper meaning. And the thought is that Jesus was referring to excessiveness. And that might be so. The eating is a reference perhaps to a gluttonous age. The drinking is a reference to an age of alcohol being consumed. And the marrying and giving in marriage is, is speaking about the, the immoral character of the day in which we are living. It was an overindulgent age back in Noah's time as it is today. And you just need to, to look out into the world and see that that is so. The considerations which the Savior highlights. And then thirdly, there's the catastrophic, the, the catastrophe which the Savior recalls. And what does he recall? He recalls the flood. That which happened way back then in ancient history and knew not until the flood came. Oh, they should have known they had been told. Was there not a preacher of righteousness, as he was called, Noah by name? Of course there was. Look, that godly old man that walked with God became an evangelist, and he warned the people of his generation. He was faithful to them, but they did not listen. They did not believe. They shut their ears. They rejected the message. They refused to get right with God, and consequently the flood came, and they did not know. They did not expect it. They were not anticipating it. And I ask you, will, will this be you? Will the eternal judgment of God take you unawares? Will the coming of Christ come to you as the Bible describes it like a thief in the night? You're not anticipating it. You're not looking for it. You're not expecting it. No, not for one moment. Will you be so absorbed in yourself, in your business, in your earthly pursuits, that the destruction will be swift and sudden for you? It's not that you haven't been told. No, God has sent to you faithful preachers who have told you through the years of your life. He's given to you family members who love you and have warned you. Some friend that has urged the the message of the gospel upon your soul and, and pleaded with you to come to Christ and to flee the wrath to come. But you didn't care. And you didn't heed the message and you turned away. And you just continued in your worldly ways. Oh, my friends, be warned tonight from God. There's coming a day when God will destroy this world 
and you're going to be involved in it. And it might come to you when you know not. You're not expecting it. The catastrophe which the Savior recalls. He wants you to learn from it. As it was then, so shall it be when he comes again. I have one final thought. And that is the conclusion that the Savior declares. Look at that little line. And took them all away. This is where it all ended. He took them all away. Where did he take them? He took them all away into death. Into destruction. Into eternity. Into hell itself. They were swept away. Unready. Unprepared. Unconverted into eternity. What a terrible eye-opener it must have been. What an awful awakening for those men in the old world to be swept out into eternity and not prepared to meet God. When the flood came, they became believers in the sense immediately they believed in God. Immediately they believed in the destruction. Immediately they believed in what the preacher had to say because it was all true. It was happening before their very eyes. When they were taken in judgment, they saw immediately the truth of it all. But it was too late. It was too late. The opportunity was gone. What about you? Where will it all end for you? Will you be taken suddenly and unexpectedly into damnation? Will this be your end that the Savior is describing here? Well, we close the meeting tonight with the solemn thoughts about Noah's day from the lips of Christ. And I say to you, make sure that you are in Christ, the ark of safety, before the day of wrath and judgment breaks forth upon the world. Flee to Jesus Christ with all haste and trust in his redeeming blood, the only answer for your sin. Oh, a door has been opened, and it's not always going to be there. It's not always going to be open for you. One day, just like the ark, the door will be shut and it'll be too late. You need to get in while we're living in the day of grace and you have the opportunity to turn to Christ. The provision has been made. Christ has died. He's opened up the way. He loves you tonight. He wants to save you when you come to the blessed Savior. I pray that you will. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks for the lessons to learn from Noah's day. Jesus tells us here to learn how it was back then, so shall it be when he comes again. Lord, just help us to take in these simple truths for they're real. They come from the Savior's lips. Lord, may men and women and young people just sit up and listen. May they seek Christ while they can, while the door's open. May, may they press in. Your word says, strive to enter in because there's coming a day when men will strive and they'll not be able to, but the door will be shut. Oh, God of mercy, bless us, we pray. Bless your word. Bless little Noah. Help him to be like Noah in the Old Testament, a man that finds grace with God and walks with God and knows the blessing of God in his life. And what we pray for him, we pray for all that are here. Oh, may we heed the warning voice and Make the Lord our final choice. Then all heaven will rejoice. But we need to be in time. Answer prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen. The other two verses of the hymn 236, verses 4 and 5. Out of Christ without a Savior, dark will the voyage be. Clouds will gather, storms surround you. All to Christ for refuge flee. That's what you need to do. You need to flee to him, the savior of man. This church can't save you. I can't save you. There's nobody here that can save you. Nobody in your family that can save you. Only Jesus can save you. You need to flee to him for this refuge. May you do it tonight. Let's sing these final two verses, please. Let's just rise to our feet.
Father, as we dismiss, may we feel the challenge of your word, may we feel the challenge of this hymn, that even one would dare to die without the Savior. May they flee to the Lord Jesus tonight, get underneath the covering of his blood. May they get into the ark of refuge and know what it is to be safe from the the terrible storm of the wrath of God that will burst forth upon this world one day. We pray that you will take us home safely tonight, bless the fellowship time, bless the food to our bodies, but Lord, bless your word to our souls and may action be taken and may decisions be made that will bring sinners to Christ, in whose name we pray, amen and amen.